Hello, and welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. I am hype on this one. But Andrew, you say that every week. Correct, I do. However, I'm extra hype on this one because we are covering a subject that has yet to be covered that I think will bring so much value to everyone listening. And that subject is how to develop relationships and build partnerships with brands. And joining us this week to speak on it is Bryce Carr from Fender. And he shares so much valuable insight, tips and tricks, applicable advice, and things you can do to really develop these relationships. It was so immensely helpful, so valuable. I think everyone listening will love this. On top of that, we just talk about like Fender as a company and everything cool that they're up to. I was really, really impressed. If you enjoy this episode, if you do get value out of it, one favor that I want to ask you is I do all of this right now for free. It takes hours to make these episodes. And something that you can do to help is just subscribing to the podcast wherever you're watching or listening. If it's on YouTube, hit subscribe, like the video, Apple Podcasts, subscribe, write a review, all that good stuff. It helps the podcast grow, it helps it get discovered, it helps me then talk to more and more cool people like Bryce. And if you do subscribe, I wanna do something to personally thank you for being an OG day one. I'm working on a Patreon right now, I'm putting together a bunch of cool physical goods, but one of those things I want to mail to anyone who does subscribe totally free just for being a day one. So if you're watching this, if you're listening and you do subscribe, shoot me a DM at Andrew underscore FTW, let me know your address and I want to mail you something for free just as a genuine thank you for subscribing. All right, let's get into this episode. I think you're going to love it. Where are all my friends? We're back again and we are with Bryce Carr, who works at Fender Guitars, but is a mutual friend of mine and is, I, I'm, so, I'm stoked on this one because We've hung out through all of our mutual friends. We have very good mutual friends. Josh Apple, Ben Farber, a lot of like good people brought us together. And typically when that happens, it brings together good people. But I realized that I still don't really know your full on story. So I'm really excited for this discussion, not only to hear your story, but also to hear about a little bit of what you do professionally and see if we can't give some people some good advice on how to work with uh, companies in music, how to get endorsements, what companies look for, all that good stuff. So I'm, I'm legitimately stoked on this discussion. For sure. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm glad that we could do this. And thank you for reaching out. I think you know, obviously there's there's quite a lot happening right now with brands, especially if you look at kind of the, the music space and the pandemic and everything that's going on. I think a lot of relationships that artists have with brands, either through like music industry, music equipment manufacturers, or either just other more traditional brands, it's more important than ever. So I'm happy to kind of shine a little bit of a light on that process. And I think one thing that's exciting for me too is to talk not only about like the Fender perspective, because, you know, obviously we have a lot of people all day long. We're working with a ton of artists and, and supporting them through content. But I think there are other things that I'm, I'm kind of seeing right now as a shift in the space um, that other companies are following. Everyone from, you know, car manufacturers and how they're working with artists or uh, alcohol, beer companies, how they're working with artists. This is a key moment for sure. Dude, that's so well said. And even for the listeners too, I just want to say like, it's it's actually quite the treat to have somebody like yourself on the show because a lot of times when people work at these big companies 
it's not that the information is precious, but it's just, it's a little bit harder to get into things because there's a kind of a line of like how much you can openly share and all that. So just to preface that on a homey level, thank you for taking the time and thank you for be de- being down because it's really just us trying to share and trying to help people and trying to make this whole community a better place. So by no means am I trying to like hold you to like, this is officially what Fender as a company has to say, but more of just like a homie that genuinely cares about music and wants to see the see the space become better. And I, I think that's awesome that For we were sure. going to join. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So with that, uh, I think we kind of, we briefly said who you are and what you do. But I'm all I'm curious. I'm always curious people's backstories, like how you got into yep. music in the first place. I don't know. Did you play in bands? Where did you originally find music? Like what made you follow this path? Take me back to those days. Yeah. Where did you grow up? How did you find this? Where did it kind of start to click in your head of like, damn, this is it? Yeah, for sure. So so for context, um, Without going like too far into the life story, right now I'm I'm 31. I, I'm the director of artist marketing over at Fender, based out of the LA office. So working on all of our different artist strategy, artist touch points, how we support artists, highlight what they're doing, um, and basically amplify them. the The premise there is super simple: the more eyeballs you can get on an artist that's playing Fender, the more eyeballs you get on that Fender product. So we want to grow as artists grow, um, and really just kind of you know, make it clear that anyone can play guitar. Uh, we are a top brand out there for that. So I, I would say looking back, you know, high school was spent playing guitar. I would never really call it a band. It was not good. Uh, <laughs> it was super clear to me early on. Yeah. It, it was one of those things where you have that moment when you're like 18 and you're starting to think about college and life after that. And you kind of sit down and you're like, okay, I could keep playing really bad power chords or I could go on the business side of this. <laughs> and uh, I clearly chose the the business side of this. Um, so did you get to tour yeah, at all or was it pretty quick in your head where no, you're like, no, 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 let's do no, the business. Never. It was like really bad uh, basement jam sessions. And okay. I think like our, our friends didn't even want to show up. But <laughs> I, I think like one of the interesting things about that, right, is if I look at Fender, I look at a lot of uh, the industry as a whole, like there is that passion uh, across the employees who not only love music, but in many cases, like you could go into a record label and half the people there will say, Oh yeah, I was, I was in a band, you know, whatever a band really means. But even if it's just them and their friends in a, you know, around a fire pit playing Wonderwall, like that's yeah. the band. there's this commonality <laughs> yeah. where there's like an appreciation for music that you see a lot, which is nice. Um, so I did, you know, I did that for a little bit. Went to went to college, uh, University of San Diego, and one of the big things for me there was we didn't have a, a school radio station, and so I got together with some friends. We started a, a school radio station. I was the music director for a bit, and that was kind of like my first professional ish foray into understanding, you know, the dynamics and everything that was going on there. Um, I was director of concerts for two years there, which like. Suddenly, I mean, call if anyone's listening or watching that's in college, I mean, that is that is the moment when you start to it, it's safe to test the waters. It's safe to try these things. It's safe to explore and find what you like and you don't like. But along the way, that's kind of where you lay down the foundation for what you want to do and who you become. So if I look back at a lot of the experiences I've had, I've had some amazing ones, but I think some of the most important ones were what I was doing in college. 
And like, yeah. you know, it's kind of fun because a school will give you a quarter of a million dollars to book bands for the year. And you're yeah. like this 21 year old kid. And Holy for some shit. reason you're trusted with this, but it, it, it's a fun thing. So around that time I started, I got connected to a company called Ultimate Ears. Um, they do in-ear monitors for artists on stage. So yeah. if you ever go to a show, you see the band with a little earpiece in their ear. Ultimate Ears is one of the top companies for that. And I think kind of like the, the commonality with a lot of um, a lot of different things in my life and with some of the other people that I've seen that have done really interesting things is not feeling limited to what you're hired to do. And so at Ultimate Ears, I kind of sat down and was like, we're, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing Hype Machine blow up. I'm seeing all these blogs blow up. Yeah. Why are we only focusing on arena level bands? So what's that and like early 2010s? That, yeah, that would have literally been 2010 because I yeah. started there. They would have me work during the summer, like full-time during the summer. Uh, and then I would go back to college and work part-time. But we were the first company to do like endorsement deals or product deals. I remember bringing in like Passion Pit, Foster the People, Florence and the Machine, like all these bands right around that time. That's like and the really bands just, that were blowing up on Hype Machine. Yeah. Like it was that like yeah. indie electronic wave of alternative that wasn't on the radio and it was incredible. Yeah. And I think the other thing too that was happening around that time is the music industry as a whole was starting to wake up to the notion of data and how that could be used in making better business decisions. Streaming was really just becoming a thing in the US, but you saw a lot of companies sit down and say, it, it, it went beyond the billboard charts. It was not just like, how many spins are you getting on terrestrial radio? And what, what's your chart position? In terms of identifying new talent and changing how A&R worked, you had metrics like Hype Machine, or you had you know other, you started to see it in social facets too, where people would identify new talent. And that was very much part of our strategy around that time, still is part of the strategy today. Uh, but it's like, that's all of all music today. It's just data, you know, look yeah. at the TikTok sign. Yeah. So, you know, that's such a great point to point back to that time in music and realize that it is more than, more than just the charts and more than just spins. Like you're right. That's when people started to realize that data and analytics past just that really mattered and like really held weight and could show signs of artists doing real things. Yeah. You could make a smarter bet on artists. And I think, you know, it's another thing we'll probably talk about later, and it's not unique to uh, artist endorsements. It's everyone in the music space, even like label signings. You see this strategy of diversifying your bets. So if I'm going to place a guitar with an artist, or if a label is going to sign a band, you're probably signing or working with more artists than you think will actually, quote unquote, make it. But by diversifying your bets, putting weight and support behind different artists, you hope that one of them is going to be Olivia Rodrigo. You hope that one of them is going to break through, and that's where you're going to see your return. So if you can make uh, a really informed business decision by leveraging that data, looking at what's coming up, looking where the spins are, looking where the fans are, it helps you make a stronger bet for each, each one of those cases. Um, but it's, interesting. So, I mean, it's, it's so simple, yet so true. Like. Yeah. yeah, but it's so, it's so hard too. Is the other crazy thing, right? Like you would think numbers don't really lie, and that's the other part of music. Is like in, in businesses, most of the weight is put specifically on numbers. You know, ninety percent of business strategy is shaped by numbers. Yeah. In music, 
you know, 10 years ago, it was 10% was weighted on numbers, 90% was emotion, gut, and feeling, right? Think of the old A&R guys going to shows. Now you're kind of in this weird spot in music where like it, you know, numbers are very important. They're very real. They help you make smart decisions. But at the end of the day, like music is emotion. It doesn't matter what language you speak. You can hear a song, have that song in another language. It's going to make you feel a certain way. Yeah. And so it's not just a, a purely numbers game. That's so true. It's like anything with the arts, anything with entertainment to a degree. It's like now we have all this technology. We have all this data. We have all this information. We can see numbers. We can see followers. We can see engagement. But if you lose sight of the emotion that that evokes within you, then what's the point? And then it's not, right. that's not it. Then that's just business and yeah. a different thing. And there's certainly business in music, but there's only business because it's a feeling and it's an art and it's something, it's, it's an outlet, it's a release for people. That's yeah. cool that you see both sides of that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, everyone has to now in this space, which is, uh, which can certainly be a challenge, but you know, it's good to keep that in mind. Um, yeah. So, so this, this uh, was really happening for you in college. Like you were into music, you were into playing guitar, but when you started in San Diego and you had that budget to book artists and you, you then got that connection with ultimate years like that, that was really things coming together for you and you connecting pieces. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, yeah, it was an interesting time. Right. I remember I used to, I apologize to any employee of house of blues or live nation right now, but I would have different artists that would give me laminates after shows. And I remember I would just like, if I had a band that I wanted to see to try to sell my in-ear monitors to, I would put on my keychain that had all my old like laminates from other shows. I would walk to the back door of House of Blues San Diego and I would say, hey man, another day, another city. This is just crazy. And I would just walk right in and then I would like find my way. I'd know who I would have to talk to. And I would get in touch with the monitor engineer, right? So <laughs> it, it was it was a time in my life when I was just like, <laughs> that's so smart. probably breaking more rules than I should. But like, you just have to go out there and be ambitious and try yeah. to make things happen. Um, but yeah, it was great. So I did that for I was at Ultimate Ears for about four years. They were acquired by Logitech, which was awesome. I know uh, Logitech now makes some amazing like uh, Bluetooth speakers and different things using the Ultimate Ears name and. The, that team over there is still amazing. I, I keep in touch with them a lot and they're great people. Yeah. Um, and I decided I want to go into uh, to music tech, actually. And I was probably 24 and I hit up uh, Randy Nichols, who oh, manages Starting Line, Under Oath, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And he had been he had been like a, a contact of mine, a friend of mine uh, through Ultimate Ear stuff. And I hit him up because I knew he was involved with bands in town and oh, that's right said, he, he's involved in tech startups yeah. and stuff right yeah yeah, yeah. Randy, i mean incredibly smart guy i love randy he just i need to have one on of my go-to he, he's you another should, like 100%. smart smart dude yeah anyway sorry yeah. go on um so i hit up randy and i was like you know we've always had a good relationship i appreciate you kind of being a mentor to me on different things what are your thoughts on music tech i know you're involved with bands in town and he said hey bands in town is actually hiring for someone to kind of boost their artist relations program and business development relationships. Would you be interested in that? And so I, long story short, ended up over there. I was there for, I think, two years. And I think, you know, for people that aren't familiar with what Bands in Town does, there's a consumer side and an artist side. The consumer side is, you know, you download the app, you have uh, the app will scan your 
local library on your device or a link into your Spotify and let you know when artists that you play a lot have shows in your city. So you as a consumer get ticket links, you get notifications like, hey, the show just went on sale from your favorite band. Go ahead and buy that ticket. And uh, so I was involved with kind of the artist relationships because on the artist side, when you go to a band's website, uh, the tour dates are listed. And there needs to be a way to dynamically have new tour dates show up and old tour dates drop off after the show happens. So I worked with a lot of artist teams to just kind of get that set up on their their platform, on their website, and make sure that fans were always... Yeah, I mean, that that technology started probably five years before I was there. But, you know, I remember just we were doing stuff with... We got Bieber on Bands in Town. We got Bruce Springsteen on Bands in Town. We got there were like all these artists that were coming up around that time. Um, it became I mean, the absolute standard. I mean, I feel like honestly, it still is. Like you had MySpace. Like back in the day, yeah. you had to update your tour dates on MySpace, and that you'd like go to the band's tour tab and you'd see all the dates. But then as soon yeah. as MySpace went away, there was this weird gap where like there was like this nothing, and it was like it almost regressed. And then Bands in Town came in and became the standard. Like. You just yeah. plug in Bands in Town for your website, your Facebook, your everything. It was so integrated. Like, that's just the standard. I, I literally can't yeah. even think of something else, even right now. Yeah. The, I mean, the other really crazy thing about all of that is at that same time, a lot of the leaders there, we, I mean, we would sit down and we would say, okay, what's next? Like, yeah. you can do tour ticketing. You can do, you know, we have millions of fans that have signed up for Bands in Town, millions of music lovers. How do we help? elevate artists and support artists by providing access to these fans so you know one of the projects i was in charge of the artist stuff for over there was an analytics dashboard that would show you where your fans were located show you what fans were clicking to buy tickets for specific shows where they were located um which was amazing and then there was like an in-venue or so there was in-app messaging so if you as an artist played to uh if you're justin bieber you're at staples center you play your show at the end of the show you want to send a push notification to bands and town fans and say thanks for coming out tonight swing by the merch booth on your way out those fans we would know who bought a ticket those fans would get a push notification with that kind of nudge so there were a lot of really interesting in-app features that supported uh growing artists and telling the story of artists which was awesome damn that's that, cool. Like, I didn't realize that you were a part of that. What a cool company to align with. And I'm sure like just everything you advance and everything you learned, like that's, that is an important piece of music yeah. and touring in this era. Yeah. And I mean, certainly, you know, I left there, what probably would have been 2016. Um, okay. But they've done like some amazing things since then. I, I think people yeah. might've just seen like, I think it's Bands in Town Plus. That's kind of like the subscription model live streaming platform. That bands in town now oh, has i didn't so realize that that's huge, sick that's so yeah, it's smart really cool. so they're like booking bands to uh to do live performances and it's like a netflix of live performance and they launched it a few a few weeks ago it's been awesome. incredible damn yeah, they always innovate that's awesome okay so then 2016 where do you go from there so 2016 i uh did something that was absolutely crazy that never really happens to people in the music industry and i was like uh, I love what I'm doing, but I always, I've, I've always loved learning. Like I, I love getting outside my comfort zone, looking at things differently. So I decided, like, you know, if I don't go and do my MBA right now, I'm probably never going to do it. 
So I left music pretty much entirely, managed some bands on the side, and then did my uh, MBA at USC Marshall. And my focus there was on kind of like entrepreneurship, technology, and the music industry. So USC has great programs for uh, entertainment, which yeah. I guess is a given. But I worked with a lot of faculty members to kind of design a little bit of my own curriculum to make sure that my classes were tailored a little bit more towards music. So I did a, like, for example, I did a consulting project with a company called Set the Set. I don't know if you know those guys at all, but fans, fans could basically select or ask artists to play a certain set. Like, what songs do you want us to play live when we come to your city? And so fans would work with them to figure, figure out what songs should be played. And we were exploring some different charity involvement angles and, and things like that. Um, Dude, it was like, yeah, obviously a great experience for sure. That's crazy. I've always believed that I wish bands did that more, right? Like bands will yeah. sometimes they'll be like, look, this is a piece of art. We want to play this set. We want to set this mood, whatever. But like, I, I do believe that fans get so excited when they can feel like they're a part of the live show and help pick a set and oh, all for that. Sure. So that's awesome. Also, sure. again, I had no idea that you went back for further education. And something that I'm also really enjoying in this conversation is I don't want to say that I'm anti-college at all, but I think a yeah. lot of people in music have not gone down the college path. And I think that this is one industry, entertainment as a whole, where college isn't required. However, I think that hearing your story and hearing you wanting to be there and looking to advance your knowledge and looking to get involved with your concert board in San Diego and book these bands and further yeah. push this forward. It's like, that's why the fuck you should go to college like that. If you have right. that inclination, if you care, look at this story, look at what you proved that you did through it. So it's actually really cool to hear somebody who went through it and had so much success. Because I yeah. almost feel like it's too easy to talk shit on college. No, it is. And like, I don't get me wrong. College, unfortunately, and say what you will, is a luxury in this country, right? Yeah, not no, everyone is. not everyone has the opportunities there. I think if you know what you want to go into uh, and you have the capability financially, it is a great experience uh, for you know some of the reasons I listed. But that being said, like, you know, I look at my team... And I think three of us have bachelor's degrees and mm -hmm. more of us don't, right? Yeah. And so A&R teams, if you look at traditional A&R at a label, sometimes you don't see college degrees there. Yeah. If you look at a lot of the business, the strategy elements of labels, you do see college degrees there. So mm -hmm. it really kind of depends on what you want to go into. So in, in no way is it prescriptive, but there definitely are like, you know, some, some great experiences there. I mean... What it threw me into and the opportunities that were presented to me just by being able to have that luxury were, were great. I know like Taryn, for example, our friend Taryn yeah. on Spotify, I, I met Taryn because I was doing my MBA internship at Superfly. And Superfly is the, the event promoter that puts on like Bonnaroo for a while, uh, Outside Lands in San Francisco. Karen was on the corporate development team. So I was working with her when I was there for my MBA internship. And then, uh, you know, the, the opportunities around that and what I did in that internship certainly helped me get my job at Fender. Yeah. So, That's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't even, I didn't, yeah. again, didn't put that together. That's yeah. so sick. Okay. So then you do your MBA. 
And then do you go straight to Fender after that? Yeah. No. So yeah. I did, I mean, the, the Superfly internship in New York is actually interesting too, because that helped me kind of get to, to Fender. Um, and so when I was at Superfly, we were looking at kind of like corporate development decisions. What cities should get festivals next? Or is there an opportunity to embrace cannabis in music festivals? And mm. it's so great. Like last time I was at Outside Lands, it was so funny to see they have something there now called Grasslands, which mm. is like legal cannabis consumption on site. And yeah, I was going to say, it, I, don't, I don't think cannabis at music festivals is anything too new. I think I think people yeah. know that that's a, a pretty common yeah. uh, thing that people look but, for, but bringing it yeah. legally... <laughs> Exactly. So it was, it was funny because like some of the project and the research that was done there was around, um, you know, government regulations, revenue potential. If you're going to do this, how do you do this? Uh, and now to see it actually be a real thing is awesome. And the, yeah. the Superfly team is amazing at just innovating concepts and they really care about like the experience that someone has at one of their festivals. Um, so I did that. And then when I graduated, basically I, I was looking for a job, um, and funny enough, I reached, I was, I was talking to Randy again, Randy Nichols. I was yes. talking to him one day and he was like, you know, Matt Watts is now at Fender. He's the VP of artist marketing at Fender. And Matt, Matt Watts is the guitarist in the starting line, um, which is managed by Randy. And so Randy said, I'd love for you and Matt to reconnect. Like Matt and I had met once or twice in passing at different shows. He's like, I, I want you to sit down with Watts and just talk about Fender, see what they're doing, see if there's an opportunity for you there. And so I had that conversation with Matt. Matt at the time was Fender's VP of Artist Marketing. And, you know, I just kind of shared what I had been doing, everything from my internship with, uh, with Superfly to what I had done at Bands in Town to Ultimate Year stuff where Matt had known me before and just kind of where I thought Fender could go. And, uh, yeah, that, that led to a job at, uh, at Fender. And that's been almost three years now, which is great. Dude, Fender's and me. I mean, like, sick. you know, I, yeah, that's the great, that's the crazy thing. Fender is, I am so proud of where I work. I am so proud of what we do. I am so proud of the people I work with. And it's just like this amazing company because on one hand you have Fender, traditional Fender, guitars, amps, basses. The company has been around 75 years. Yeah. On the other hand of Fender, you have what we kind of call Fender Digital, which is our Fender Play platform, um, and then some of our different apps. So our Fender Play platform, for anyone that doesn't know, is a platform that teaches people how to play. And so you have a 75-year-old Telecaster. You know, Leo Fender made it in his garage in Fullerton. And then you have a 75-year-old startup, on the other hand. Somehow Fender's making all these, these apps. Um, so it's like this perfect world of, of everything, which is great. And the company could very easily just say like, Hey, a telly's a telly, a strat's a strat. Like people love them. Let's just do this. But yeah. the company doesn't like the, the product team sits there and says, how do we make the strap better? And then the, you know, the CEO says, what, what do we do, do to encourage more people to play? Oh, let's build a digital learning platform. Like there are just some amazing things happening at Fender right now. That's so, so sick. Okay, so I want to get into some stuff there. I think we brought a listener up to speed. We told your story, and there's so much there that I didn't know. I didn't realize that Randy was such a homie in all of this. 
I didn't realize that. Uh, what's his name it's from the starting line? Matt, from? Matt Watts. Matt Watts. I didn't Watts, realize that yeah. he worked at Fender like that. There's so many pieces there where I'm like, wait, what? But yeah. you have caught me up to speed and that is so sick. So the two things that I want to get into specifically with Fender and having you so professionally being able to speak on it is one, I really want to make the world a better place as far as like taking away some of the the confusion or some of the mystery of how to get endorsements and how to reach out to companies like this. Because who doesn't want to be endorsed by Fender? If you play a stringed instrument, instrument, you want to be endorsed by Fender. And I think that you could probably share a lot there on uh, how to have better etiquette in getting in touch and getting those endorsements. Yeah. And then I yeah, also for sure. really want to talk about the future of music. But let's get into endorsements yeah. and then we'll go to the future. Awesome. So this is kind of like the the tips and the tricks of yes. how you do it, what works and what doesn't work. Um, yes. And I think, I, you know, like to zoom out, a lot of the quote unquote referrals or a lot of the new artist relationships we get happen because one artist texts and says, hey, uh, my friend so-and-so is playing in this band, you should work with them too. And that's how things come together. So a lot of it is very relationship driven. Uh, and sometimes that extends beyond artists. So for example, I have a lot of managers, I have a lot of publicists that'll reach out and say, hey, Bryce, thanks for doing this project with this artist. I want to make sure that this name is in front of you for consideration as well. Yeah. Um, and it's very, very referral driven, which is awesome. I think if we look at kind of the tactics, uh, the, the most important thing that I look at, so let's say a publicist reaches out to me and says, check out this band, you should work with them. I'm looking at social following. So, you know, numbers on Instagram, monthly listeners on Spotify, TikTok presence, things like that. I'm looking at um, their relationship with the brand already. So I have a lot of publicists that reach out sometimes and say, this band loves Fender. They would be a great ambassador for you and what you do. Here's a link to their Instagram. And I go to the Instagram and I see nothing but pictures of competing brands. So for <laughs> me, that's that's a little bit like, it's, it's almost a little bit riskier, if that makes sense. Like if mm -hmm. I'm going to invest product or provide an artist discount in an artist, I want to know that they really do love our brand and they're going to be a great ambassador. Right. They're so, not just looking for a hand-me-down. They're not just looking like, exactly. oh, see, like hit up Bryce. If we can get free guitars yeah. here, we'll switch. Whereas if you go and look at somebody's profile and from day one, their first cover they ever posted on YouTube was them playing a Strat. You're like, all right, they actually do like this brand. Yeah. And that's like, that's, that's what I want to see. That's what I love. Like, that's what makes me happy because, um, you know, if you're a great, a great artist, I know we're going to get more eyeballs on you holistically for who you are. And if you are always playing your strat on stage, or you're always playing your telly in your YouTube video that you put out, like, I know I'm going to get more eyeballs on my product, which at the end of the day is, it's a huge win. Yeah. Um, and like the other, obviously the most, the most important thing about all of this is like, are you a good musician? Are you driving music forward and i want to be very careful about uh saying good musician right because there are bands that we work with that play sloppy power chords and that's their thing and they are amazing musicians they're driving culture forward they're making people think differently about music 
And then there are very technical, like jazz style guitarists that mm -hmm. are better, quote unquote, better guitar players than others. Uh, but they're driving music forward too. So it, it, those are definitely the big things. I think as you kind of craft your email or you get information in front of someone in a artist relations, artist marketing type role at one of these brands, it's important to be very clear and concise. So you kind of provide a quick overview, provide quick, easy links so that someone in my position can easily just click a link, find out more about the band. Um, I think the other kind of thing that's interesting is a lot of people reach out and they'll say, Hey, can you please sponsor this by giving us $10,000 or we have this great idea that we want to do on our channels and we need this, this, and this from you. Mm -hmm. Those are all great and they're impactful, but the things that make the most sense and are easiest for me are when an artist says, Hey, I saw that Fender is doing this Fender Sessions concept, or I saw that Fender does Instagram takeovers on their channel. Could we slot our band in for one of those? Because that's quick and easy, right? Like I can just say, yep, I'll vet the band. I'll make sure there's a good relationship there. And then I'll say, next opening is in two months. Let's do that. That's a heck of a lot easier than saying, we're going to go do this huge thing on your channels and it's going to take a lot of time and all that stuff. Interesting. So it's almost like reading the room of what would make it easier for someone like yourself to get involved. So if yep. I personally have an artist project and I'm like about the brand and I'm like, yo, I really want to work with you instead of giving you more work saying, I have this whole idea. I'm going to start my own concert series. I'm going to start my own this, this, and this. I need you to send me this amount of guitars. I need this much budget. Instead, yeah. if I look and say like, all right, I've been watching Fender for the last six months. This is the type of content they're posting. It looks like they're focusing a lot on Instagram right now. They're focusing a yeah. lot on X platform right now. I wonder if I could just do something that incorporates into that, like making it as easy as possible to have you say yes in the simplest yes. form. Yeah, exactly. And I think the other thing too, to keep in mind we're we're one of the bigger brands i guess we are the biggest brand in this space my team the nashville team international teams you're looking at i want to say at least 75 to 100 uh different inquiries or submissions that probably come in a day of just so saying amazing. hey check out this band or hey i want can you get me a new guitar or what's the price on this yeah um it's a lot there's like a high a really high volume there i can only and imagine yeah, to a certain extent, um, you know, you have to really make sure that the limited amount of guitars that you're allowed to help artists with on discounted pricing is being utilized in the best way possible. Right. So for you, it's not like you're trying to be a gatekeeper and be like, oh, oh, oh Fender's so precious, you'll never get on here. It's just like you have a job, you're doing a job yep. and you're given a budget or you're given a certain amount of artists or whatever you can do, however much product that you can discount or give away in a given month or period. And you're saying, I want my bosses to be happy with me. I want my company to do well. So how do I maximize this? If yeah. I have a kid that's a virtuoso on guitar, but has 10 followers on Instagram and isn't really communicating with his channels and isn't really making a wave, as much as I believe and think he's incredible or they're incredible, how like is that going to give you a return on your job? Is that going to make you right. look like you're doing a good job? So for you... 
you're just trying to maximize that reach of what you can do. For sure. And to tie it back to what we were talking about 25 minutes ago, sometimes you have to bet on those, right? Like it's not just raw data. I can find a 10-year-old guitar virtuoso that people don't really know that well yet. I can find that person, believe in that person, support that person, and equip them with gear. Because you have to diversify your bets, right? I think what we've been talking about right here is very focused on what I would consider to be kind of the the relations aspect of what we do. I think the artist marketing aspect of what we do is perhaps also like more important because at the end of the day, sure, the artist relations teams at a lot of these companies are helping artists get access to gear or maybe providing them with free gear here or there. But the big, quite frankly, the bigger impact, and especially at Fender, we've like doubled down on this, is the content that you can create with artists and the impact you have on culture as a whole by putting um, artists you care about in front of consumers. So you know, when, when I joined the team, Matt Watts was VP of Artist Marketing, had just joined the company. And there was like this audit that took place that was basically like, you know, we're working with so many artists, but only X amount of content on our channels is featuring artists or is introducing um, introducing these artists to people. What if we were to just reposition almost everything we do and have it lead with artists? Let's tell the stories of artists. Let's introduce people to new artists. And just pretend that our products are along for the ride. I think consumers are smart enough. You know, if you see uh, an artist out there, you know, we just did we just did a, a piece with um, with Dominic Fike, and Ooh, cool. we launched our new American Professional Two line uh, with like a, a cut down with Dominic Fike. And it's not about the guitar. There's no there's nowhere in there that Dom is saying I love this guitar because of X Y Z. Like yeah. consumers kind of get that on their own, right? You have to tell the story of the the artists. So for that series, we featured, when we launched that product line, we featured 25 different artists in a launch video. And we did spotlight segments with probably eight or nine of them. Took Orville Peck out to Pappy and Harriet's and Pioneer Town out by oh, Joshua Tree. Oh shit, I've never gone. I want to go there so bad. That's sick. It, it's, it's crazy. There's just like, there's so much fun content that's being created. And, and what we're really seeing is when you have, what, probably 15 million followers across your social channels, you have an obligation to inform and educate them on the diversity of guitar, the diversity of the guitar players, how guitar is being used. And when you lead with those artist stories, you create content that not only elevates these artists, but also along the way can can help sell more guitars. So almost what I'm hearing now is it's not so much just like, hey, I'm X artist. And if you give me guitar, I'll get you X sales or X followers or whatever. You as a brand are looking to say like, we feel a responsibility to push music forward and to push creatives forward and to um, inspire new pieces of content and, and really just advance music. So how can you help do that? Yes, I, I, will, I will tell you unequivocally, 10% of what we do is focused on, or 10% of the time we spend working is focused on, here's a guitar. Mm. The vast, vast, vast majority of it is, how do we elevate you as an artist? How do we tell your story? And if any artist that, say, gets a discounted price on a guitar 
I spend more time trying to figure out how to get them an Instagram takeover or get them in a fender session or get them in some sort of content piece that helps them tell their story. Yeah. I think the old school of thought for brand relationships was, uh, you know, here's the new camera or enjoy this pack of Snickers. It's like, sure. Hopefully the artist posts about it. Ho- hopefully the celebrity posts about it, but there's a real opportunity, especially in the arts and entertainment space to tell stories. Yeah. And it's a giant miss if you don't, um, don't capitalize on that. I think that's actually kind of the, cool the, to hear. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's amazing. Like it's the, the pandemic itself was a really interesting one for us. And I know there's, there's a lot that we can say about 2020 and, and strategies and changes in the music space. But, uh, my team, the artist team basically overnight saw all of our artists, i.e. our friends have their tours canceled. Damn. We saw artists push back release dates. We saw brand partnerships and experiential activations get canceled. Yeah. And we, we had a moment, March, I think it was like March 16th or 17th. We sat down and we said, how are we going to support our friends? How are yeah. we going to help artists remain relevant? And last year, we did 170 individual content pieces featuring artists' partners. We tripled our output of artist content on our channels each week. And we put forth, I think, six different um, serialized concepts. So it's like an artist check-in where you have Johnny Marr from the Smiths sit down and teach people how to play one of his songs. You have an Instagram takeover where the artist gets the channel for the day. Um, We did one like the other day that I loved with a band called Cannons, where Cannons said like, oh, this is how we wrote and recorded our song. And they just showed it off on our channels. We have our Fender Sessions concept where artists pick a place that's like emotionally resonant to them and they perform a session, do an interview, three songs. Like it, it's, it's been amazing what we've done there. Everyone from Black Pumas to King Princess to uh, Britt Daniel and Spoon, like artists are just telling their stories. When, when we sat down with Spoon and Britt to put theirs together, they were like, you know, we have this honky tonk dive bar that we played at in Austin is, you know, it's important to who we were way back when uh, we want to film our session there. And you're like, this is great. Like, this is who you are. Let's share this with all offenders fans. Yeah. It's so, so authentic. Yeah. We do a lot of, I mean, that's just like half of the serialized concepts that we do. Um, but it's, I mean, it's been great. It's, it's, it's driven growth. It's introduced people to a, to a ton of new artists. And yesterday I was on Reddit looking at some stuff and I saw someone talking about an artist that they discovered through Fender's socials. No way. And, and Your then heart th- must have just been like... <laughs> it was like the happy... So here's, here's what it was. It was like one person saying like, oh, I really like when Fender does this. I, I love the video they did with Johnny Marr and the video they did with Mac DeMarco. And wow. then underneath it was someone saying, I discovered Dominic Fike because of Fender. And then someone else saying, I just saw Gus Dapperton do a, a check-in supporting Neva and Save Our Stages on their channels yesterday. I loved it. Like, so you just see the impact that this is having on these artists' careers. Like, yeah. there is no happier moment for me than when I screenshot those things and send them to my artist partners. Because it's, it's just like, we're doing the right thing. We're not trying... Our goal isn't to put guitars in consumers' hands but that's what happens as a result of marketing artists in the right way. Yeah, dude, it's so refreshing and so 
freaking cool to hear this coming from you and to hear that this is your stance because it really does feel it's like I came into that question of like, how do artists get better endorsements? And you're like, yeah, cool. Here's some things. Keep your emails short, blah, blah, blah. But as a brand for you guys to be like, yo, it's not about sales. It's not about units. It's about music. It's about pushing creatives further and inspiring people and keeping people afloat. So however we can do that, that's what we're interested in. Like as a company so big, the fact that that's the focus and the fact that that's what your team is, is encouraging you to do. And you're encouraging your team to do is so fucking cool like just knowing it's like yeah you're doing it for the right reasons like damn yeah yeah i think the other thing too that kind of goes hand in hand with that is the focus on uh diversity and the diversity of what guitar playing looks like uh, yeah. and there there are a few ways we do that you know i mean the the first one is kind of through our, our fender next artist development program and that's an initiative i oversee where we take a class of of 25 artists that we think represent the new face of guitar and we work with them, we outfit them with gear, we guarantee them slots and social concepts, we tell their stories, we incorporating the or we incorporate them in experiential events. Like these are artists from all over the world, different genders, different um, you know, different breakdowns and other demographics. Like this is what guitar looks like today. It's no longer yeah. uh just a guy on a stage drinking whiskey at a dive bar, right? Yeah. Like it's it's young. It's black. It's it's every like it's it's so it's, amazing to see that. I would even say it's it's so far past rock now. You used to just oh, it, yeah. associate oh guitar music. It's rock or oh I don't yeah. want to listen to guitar music. And I think what's happening in the genres and I think the way that people are able to produce things at home and sit down and plug a guitar in and just add to any type of music yeah. is so cool. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And just to see like that diversity i think you know i think a lot of people growing up if you were to say picture guitar player in your head most of the time it's like an older white dude right and you just to me i think of like such like the guns and roses type exactly exactly that's right like the whiskey a go-go yeah slam and jack daniels like yeah (laughs) but that's that's not that's part of it right that's that's part of it that will always be part of it but there is so much more like the notion of a genre doesn't even exist anymore for the most part, but you're seeing artists from different areas. Like we, we're seeing our two biggest growth areas right now uh, on the artist side, pretty much actually in line with actual music consumption being artists from traditionally black genres. So hip hop, gospel, R and B and soul. Yeah. And then we're seeing a huge, huge push right now for guitars involvement in uh, Latin music. Um, both those areas we've just added in new hires to help us better support those communities of artists translate that down to the consumer level um, and ultimately shape music i think you know one of the one of the proudest moments another really proud moment for us is uh last year we launched a signature model so a lot of a lot of artists can get their name on a guitar as kind of like a special signature launch we did a signature launch with her um, and it was the first signature model Fender had done with a black woman before. And just to see that video, we launched it with a video that was a Fender session Yeah. to see the artist share that on her channels and to see the comments on our channels and have numerous like young black girls say, 
this is amazing. I want to play guitar now, or I'd never thought of being able to play guitar like this. Like you're just seeing this shift that is truly resonating. And when we look at sales, like we are seeing huge growth come in for, from communities that 30 years ago didn't feel welcome by guitar at all. Yeah. Uh, And I think one other thing that's like fascinating to me that I think is also worth sharing is, you know, we've done some research onto who our consumers are for different types of instruments and different levels of instruments. And when you look at the beginner, first time player, picking up a guitar and buying a guitar for the first time, it's 50% female right now, 50% female. Yeah. And so there are just so, so many opportunities for people to learn how to play and, you know, pick up an instrument. And we want to be part of that story. We want to encourage that. We want to champion the artists that came before to inspire the next generation. Yeah. All that good stuff. I think that music as a whole, like genres are breaking, roles are breaking, and it's just becoming something of just like, if you feel creative and you can translate that through any instrument, through any medium, you can do it now. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter the music that you were raised on. If you like this, you can do it. And I think that to hear a company support that is amazing. And I could not be more excited. Like, I feel like we're in a musical renaissance right now. Like the fact that anyone, and this actually segues right into the next part of what I wanted to talk about, the fact that anyone can basically pick up an instrument, pretty much learn on their own at home now, and then pretty much learn how to record and get it to a format where you can upload it online and put it out is so crazy. And what we will get from that as consumers, as fans of music, like who knows where music goes, but there's just not these gatekeepers anymore. And I think that what that leads to is amazing. So the other thing that I kind of wanted to get into is sure, touring is not happening right now. A huge part of your bit or a huge part of the people playing guitars are musicians on stage. However, as a company, and as you were telling me, you are still having so many people pick up an instrument at home, learning, all of these things are kind of changing. So like where, what do you see the, the shift being? What do you see yeah. last year doing to music as a whole? And what do you see the future looking like because of that? Yeah, for sure. So 2020, obviously very wild. This year, 2021, still wild. And I think one of the things that we saw was a lot of consumers either dusting off that guitar they bought years ago that's in the back of the closet or going out to buy a new instrument because they said, I really, you know, I'm trapped inside or I want to do what I care about, or I'm at a certain point in my life where I really need to focus on what makes me happy. I'm going to play. So yeah, Fender in 2020 had, you know, basically our, our best year ever in regard to how many units ended up in players' hands. There are more people playing guitar now than ever before, which is incredibly exciting and incredibly inspiring. And I think the effect that you'll see down the road will be really interesting a few years from now. One of the reasons, you know, I mentioned a little bit about our Fender Play digital platform earlier. One of the the key reasons that exists is to help consumers learn how to play. I know that you probably have friends. I have tons of friends that got a guitar at one point in their life tried it for a week, and then it ended up in that closet. And so 
the Fender Play platform exists to teach people how to play with lessons of how to play songs, like video lessons. You can, you know, we we worked with Billie Eilish on the song. You know, like there's Beatles songs in there, like working with the Harrison estate. There are real songs from artists. We have relationships with publishers. There are video lessons of how to play these songs. And it's everything from this is how you tune your guitar, or this is how you finger pick, or this is how you play smoke on the water. You know, it's like, it, it makes learning easy. And in early April of last year, we realized, we, we saw more people downloading this platform yeah. and, and uh, more people buying guitars. And we made a decision as a company to make the Fender Play platform com- completely free for a few months. And wow, so we had sick. just under a million people download the platform and learn how to play, which absolutely blows my mind. So yeah. there, and then just for general consumption of guitars, I think four or five years from now, going off of what you're saying with like the democratization of distribution, you're going to have kids that are 16, 17 right now recording songs and five years from now, putting them out through TuneCore or DistroKid or whatever, and it's going to be out there. And I really, really think that you will see a swell or like a spike four or five years from now of more and more innovative new music. And that's not just guitar music. That's everything. That's yeah. the that's the bedroom beats producer who now has free time and he's discovering how much he loves music. That's, you know, the orchestra kid that's having more time to play the chat. Like it's it's everything. So yeah. it, it's really exciting. I'm really optimistic and you know, it's it'll be interesting to see what form that takes. Dude, what a like I, I completely agree. And, and what a refreshing conversation to have. Like, I knew obviously that we'd have a good conversation. We've hung out enough where I'm like, yeah, Bryce is good people. But we hadn't talked on like a, a granular level of like what you're doing in your industry and understanding that now and hearing that a company like Fender is like paying attention to, in my opinion, all the right things. And like, that's what yeah. the focus is, is just so encouraging and exciting and refreshing. And I'm like, yo, good. Thank you. Like, this is like, if people like you continue to push music forward, and I think that's a theme that I look for in this podcast is finding people. It doesn't matter what position you are in music or entertainment or business, but if you genuinely care about what you do, I want to hear from you and I want to talk to you because I, I love hearing that there are people in every different aspect and lane that really do care and are trying to push it forward to do the right things. And it, it just like that is so, so represented in this conversation where I'm just like, yo, yeah. yes. Yeah, it's interesting because there's like the traditional norms, right? There's the way things have been and how they should be. And then there's kind of what the new era represents and yeah. where you can go with all these things. Yeah, And three Three years ago, Fender cared more about marketing products than they cared about marketing artists. And we've seen we've seen that change and realize they're not exclusive, right? Like you can market artists and products at the same time. And I think there's no better like like if I'm a consumer and I'm looking at buying a guitar, there's no one that's gonna sell it to me more than an artist that trusts their livelihood in that product every night that they're on stage. And even if I don't want to be that guitarist touring, I want to be able to play at least as good as that guitarist, right? So we lean into that a lot. And then there's just like other things. I was just thinking, we didn't even talk about this, like the notion of an endorsement. Mm -hmm. Fender doesn't do endorsements. There's no 
contracts. There's no paperwork. There's no obligations. There's I mean, oh, it's wow, really? It's just like it's just like this friendly conversation. If I were to quote unquote onboard an artist into the Fender family, mm-hmm. it would be exactly what you and I are doing right now. It's you know what's what's your background? What do you like? Like what what are the plans for your band? And then how can Fender help you? It's not it's, there's no lawyers, there's no contract, there's no paperwork, you know. And there's that's the cool. Other, the I other didn't crazy know that. thing that's going awesome. off of there there's no exclusivity, you know. Like obviously, I really want artists that are only going to play their Fender gear. But at the end of the day, like no one told Picasso he had to paint in blue. Like right. he did that because that's how he wanted his art to be. Like there are artists that I work with, or my team works with, that their sound is perhaps a little bit more like another another brand. So just to use a specific example, Gary Clark Jr., amazing, amazing guitarist, yeah. has a great relationship with Gibson. And Gibson's doing amazing things. Yeah. But there are a few songs in Gary Clark Jr.'s set where the song that he's playing sounds better on a Fender. And it's just, just the way it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he pulls it out for that. And we're chill with that. Like, sure, totally. would I love it if he only played Fender? Yes. But I understand that for different songs, you need different instruments. For different tones, you need different things. Right. And we just want to be part of that journey. We're not going to cut an artist off because they yeah, you know, like, place another brand a little bit. How's that even fun? Like, if Fender is the only guitar company, it's like if people are getting inspiration or using a different tool and they're getting different sounds, exactly. then that's pushing them forward to advance the genre as a whole and music as a whole. And then maybe that inspires your R&D team to be like, damn, other instrument company did X and got this amazing yeah. tone out of it. Like, what if we changed this or that? Like, you need that. Yeah. Well, that's that's the other thing, too. Just like being candid. Uh, this conversation and what I've shared, you know, it's, it's stuff that, um, if I have competitors hear it, they know a certain amount of what our strategy is. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent fine with that. Like we as a brand are a hundred percent fine with that because we think that that competition drives us forward. And at the end of the day, it helps us support more artists. And that being said, we spent a lot of time talking about Fender and what Fender does, like all these other guitar companies are just different music equipment manufacturer companies they're doing very similar things that are like also amazing you know what i mean i'm watching gibson push uh their their gibson tv initiative that's highlighting more artists and ernie ball does these amazing amazing videos with artists like i think we're all kind of watching each other mm-hmm. and we're learning from what each other is doing and leveraging that information to support artists even more it's just it's great like the rising tide elevates all ships, you know, yeah, like we're all dude, climbing together. I'm so glad you just said that because I, I so much feel that somebody asked me about podcasting. They're like, isn't it discouraging that there are so many podcasts coming out now? And I'm like, I don't know, I, I guess like, sure, there's a lot of noise, but if your product is good, people are going to find it. And if if this yeah. many conversations are are being wanted to be had aren't we just sharing more information? Aren't we just inspiring more and more people? Exactly. As soon as like X and X and X start a podcast, then the word is said more and people start thinking about it more. And then we're drawing inspiration from each other. So it's like, I feel like that's that's real small energy. That's that's real yeah. thinking small to be gatekeepy and jealous of other people. And I also think that yeah. what you just said with 
the fender strategy, it's like, all right, competition, like, sure, here's a blueprint of what we're paying attention to. Literally, none of that's going to work if you're not authentic. Like, it's not going right. to work if you're not putting the, if you're not walking the walk. So it's like right. the fact that you're hiring new people and that you're paying this attention and that you're doing it, it's like, all right, cool. Like, it's only going to get better for everyone if more people do it. But here we are yeah. doing it. So, yeah. And I think like, obviously, super, super, super big picture. There are a lot more people in this world that do not play guitar or bass than do play guitar and bass. Facts. There is so, so much room for expansion and growth, not just in regard to like a geographical perspective mm -hmm. and territory expansion, but in regard to like culture and community, like going back to what we were saying about where we're seeing more consumers, like there, there's enough cake here for everyone to get a slice of it. As long yeah. as we're like, we're elevating artists and driving culture forward. Yeah. And I, I think that that's also cool to think about. Like I was like, when you were explaining the people that have picked up a guitar and then like couldn't figure it out, or whatever, like, God, I wish I had a platform like play because I was looking up tabs on like very, very basic websites, kind of trying to figure it out. I think I took like one guitar lesson, but it just didn't click. And as much as I genuinely could probably tell you that it wasn't my path to be a professional guitar player, do I wish that I had more skill in that area? Yes. And do I think like when you sit down, when you're at a party or when you're anywhere and somebody picks up a guitar and they play something beautiful, that's a form of communication to me. That's somebody expressing themselves yeah. and that breaks the ice and it's something real. So it's like, you don't have to be a professional guitar player to want that. Like that's just expressing yourself. That's just doing something fun. So the more of that we have, that's universal communication. That's that's exactly. beyond the language of English. Everybody likes exactly. a good guitar riff. Everybody likes hearing somebody play well. So please, please more yeah. of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, the one thing I do want to provide that I realized I did not earlier when we were talking about it and if anyone has actually listened to this long, I want them to have this. Um, we, we didn't talk about how to get in touch with Fender. And so, oh, yeah. uh, special, special treat, I guess, for everyone here. If you've made um, it to the hour if, mark, you've been yeah, blessed. Exactly. Exactly. Um, my direct email address is bcarr at fender.com. If anyone wants to reach out with just like, hey, check out this band, let me know your thoughts. I mean, Worst case scenario, we're going to check out the band. We'll track the band. We'll monitor the band. We'll watch the band grow. Um, but you know, best case scenario, maybe there's something we can do there. So please feel free to reach out at that email address, bcar at fender.com. Our team will definitely check out some new music. We're, we're music nerds at the end of the day, and we love listening to music. So Dude, we, we definitely that appreciate is that. So insanely generous of you to share that. And that's so, so cool because again, people can be super gatekeepy and like, I know more when I was focusing on artist management and all of that, literally just to have to say, oh yeah, I have a contact at Fender was so high up and so cool. So the fact that you can now listen to a podcast as an artist or as an anything, if you're a young up and coming manager and you're listening to this, but the fact that you can get this information and hear the perspective of what somebody's looking for, like this is amazing. So like you do not, yeah. for the listeners, he does not have to share this. I did not ask him to share that. Like that's, that is above and beyond. And I think that if anybody does get in touch with you, the thing that I have to add to that is out of the mutual respect, 
of him sharing that email, don't blow him up with a novel. Don't blow him up with a giant email asking for a bunch of unrealistic requests or telling him how, like, like you don't need to provide that Bible. Like you said, just a short, concise thing. Show your links. Be authentic to the brand. Are you hitting him up because you're trying to get something for free? Or are you hitting him up because your music career would genuinely advance from working with this brand or you could genuinely add something that they would like or that you would add to music. So think about that. Think about the fact of like, this has been given to you, respect it and reach out when you're ready. And when you have the right information to share and the right time, that's my two cents. For sure. I appreciate you saying that. And like the other thing too, is I have artists that I work with now that three years ago might've sent me a cold email and I checked them out, thought it was good, a little small for what we're able to support. Yeah. But I saw their name on a South by Bill. And then I saw some buzz on chart metric and then this. And then three years later, the publicist hits me up again and says, Hey, you know, we have this cool thing. Wanted to see if you want to be involved. And then that's the moment where I'm like, okay, I've been tracking them that, you know, the, the foundation was laid three years ago, but now it's time to strike. So yeah. please just keep us in the loop. Dude, that's, that's again, cool to hear. Like I was talking to a buddy that has like a slightly bigger following and he has a lot of people hit him up a lot to try to work together. And it, it, it he showed me a DM train of like somebody hitting him up. I want to say well over 10 times. And then finally he responded when it was like the right time and the hit, the, the, just the person hit him up at the right time. They stayed consistent, whatever. And it worked out. So I think that there's a line like don't punish people. Don't don't aggressively blow them up, but also don't take offense if something doesn't work right away. Like right. people stay busy and maybe you need to be a little more honest with yourself of like you're not ready for the opportunity, but that doesn't mean you won't be. So like yeah. having that initial yeah. introduction and then your own personal growth, like when it when it aligns and when it makes sense, it'll happen. Exactly. Dude, I that was so legendary. I, like, I, I, again, you did not have to share as much as you did. You gave so much useful information as far as what artists should think with. I think you shared a bigger picture of what actually matters in the scope of music. And you shared a lot of perspective of, to me, like what a brand, like, it's just cool to hear that a brand is paying attention to that. So like, yeah. You checked every box of things that I like to hear on this podcast. Good. This is fucking Good. legendary. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I love I love this podcast. I love what you're doing. I love the people you've had on. So i uh, obviously very happy to be part of it, happy to share what we're doing. And at the end of the day, I mean, Fender's really doing some amazing things and just encouraging a new type of player, sharing the love of music and introducing people to, to new artists. Um, um, I appreciate the opportunity to share all that. Dude, it was an absolute honor to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.